this is not the start of the service yet, but uh, we have a song um, halfway through the service which I think may be unfamiliar to many of you, so we're going to sing it through and um, ask you to join with us. We'll, sing it, we'll play it through a couple of times. So uh, it's called, the words are up on the screen, so if you'd like, as you get the hang of it, if you'd like to join in, then um, it, be, it won't be completely new to us when we come to it in the service. song? Oh, oh right. <laughs> A goodly number. More than we thought. To say all the Methodists know it, so um, we're catching up here. Anyway, good morning. Nice to see you all. Um, welcome to our worship this morning. And if you're online uh, looking at this now or later on, you're most welcome to join us as well. Um, I've not been aware of any notices. Peter's shaking his head furiously at me. So we're, we're notice-free today. Isn't that lovely? Um, just going to suggest now that we have a few moments of quiet. We've come to meet with the living God. There are things from the week that press in on us, the week that's past and the week to come. And we just want to let all those things go and focus our thoughts just on the living God. And so we acknowledge his presence with us as we sing together.
As we come and acknowledge our, his presence here with us, we recognize his majesty and his power and his holiness. And we're drawn to confess our own sins, our own lack of holiness. Get all those things out of the way before we come to offer him our worship. Take a moment and reflect on this past week. Things that we've said that we wish we hadn't said. Things spoken in anger. Times when we've neglected the needs of others around us, only thought of ourselves. Desires of our hearts which have been at least unholy. And we gather all those things as we come to confess now. And we say together, God our Father, we come to you in sorrow for our sins, for turning away from you and ignoring your will for our lives. Father, forgive us for behaving just as we wish without thinking of you. Father, forgive us for failing you by what we do and think and say. Father, forgive us for letting ourselves be drawn away from you by temptations in the world about us. Father, forgive us for living as if we were ashamed to belong to your Son. Father, forgive us. Father, save us and help us. Amen. And for all those things that we brought and confessed, we can know God's forgiveness. God's word says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us from every kind of wrong. And so we can move on to worship God with clear hearts and minds. And we come to sing a great song uh, about how great our God is. Um, John's already started, but I'm going to try and talk over him for a moment. If we were singing it in the old days, we would have immortal, invisible God only wise. And this is, a, in, in a sense, a modern equivalent. It says, our God is so great. Can we really understand him? His thinking is far beyond our thinking. His power far beyond all that we can understand and know. And so we come to worship him for the bits that we can, we can understand, the bits that we know. He is marvelous and wonderful. And so we stand to worship God now in this lovely song, Who Can Know the Mind of Our Creator?
Please be seated. I should just say um, that if you're a young person, or if you feel young, or you think you're young, um, there's some uh, craft work at the back with Rachel that you can uh, join in with during the service. I think anybody over 60 who goes is pushing it a little bit, but you know, the rest of you. And we'll be looking at the end of the service at what uh, those youngsters have done. I was here a few weeks ago and we were commissioning and praying for Susie and Martin as they went off to Kenya. And lo and behold, they are back and they're going to come and, and share their experiences in Kenya and what God has done there with us. Thank you. Good morning, you lovely people. Hi there. <laughs> we want to first of all say thank you for your prayers and your love in sending us out and sustaining and being a part of what we were doing out in Kenya. And we asked you to pray for travel and health and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We had no mishaps in our traveling and all the pastors turned up as we hoped, which was really lovely. And our health was good and the health of the pastors was good. And sure, the Holy Spirit was there with us. He is so faithful. So thank you for your part in that. But we also had um, several sadnesses while we were away. Uh, we already knew that Bishop Gatonga, who's been hosting us in his properties for few, a few years now, he died very suddenly in August. And we were honored to be told the process of his dying and the peace, the peace of God that was on him, despite the fact that he had a, a really he had a terrible cancer, pancreatic cancer. So we're praising God for that. And three friends of ours, two Kenyan and one from Canada, Jennifer Cuthbertson's wife, husband, Ma husband Martin, died. And uh, we were sorry to hear about them. One of them had been in our seminars over the years called Wambua, and he died while we were there. And the other one was Benjamin, who'd been a night watchman with Martin years before. And they'd had many conversations and prayer times together. So there was sadness mixed with the joy. But thank you for your prayers. They play a part in enabling us to do what we do. Thank you so much. And, well, our work out there has changed a bit. We've, since we married, we've really been doing Bible training seminars, but in the past year, it has switched much more to training leaders. So we spent time with the, the up-and-coming leaders in RTU, the Unreached in Kenya, who have a big job that they're going to be taking on when they do finally take full responsibility. Uh, there have been over a thousand churches planted in the most remote parts of Kenya. And one of the big needs is to help the churches learn that God can provide for them. Because there's, there's quite a famine going on at the moment, so it's, it's a real definite need for them to know how God can provide. And we've seen that, both in terms of uh, what God has been doing through these main leaders, that they have been starting up different projects, more projects since we were out last time, and uh, God is, is blessing those. And then with another pastor, he suddenly got a phone call to say that uh, a friend from another part of Kenya had just felt God prompting him to, to provide a whole load of maize for his church in the middle of, of the famine. And so they could see firsthand as they came together, yes, God is at work among us. 
And the same followed the next week when we met with a bigger group of leaders from all over the country, and each of them was sharing how God had been providing out in those areas. But perhaps even even more than that, uh, these pastors have been continuing to reach out to the unreached in their own tribes, but there are some other tribes within Kenya that they haven't gone to because there's been a sense, well, can we go to them because how do we know God's going to provide? Can we trust for that? And yet, during our time with them, they were really stirred up to believe, yes, we can go to the the remaining unreached people and God will help us. He will be with us. He will provide. And the leader said to us, it felt to him like RTU was being reborn. So God was definitely at work through your prayers out out there. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Thank you. Let's just pray. Father God, we thank you that you have answered our prayers. We thank you for safe traveling. Thank you for blessing uh, Susie and Martin in their their work in Kenya. And uh, Father, we thank you for those prayers that are answered and we, we pray now for the future of that work. Thank you that you've been showing them how to move forward. Thanking you, thank you that you bless them and you assure them of future blessings. And we pray for those engaged in that work that you would continue to guide and direct and give them wisdom and you would provide resources of them for them to expand this work further into Kenya. You are a great and mighty God beyond what we can possibly ask for or even imagine. We give you our praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. I was searching around for um, Stuart. And, and he was there at the back. Stuart's going to read God's word, and then uh, Debbie's going to preach. And so I just pray for them and for Debbie just now. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's precious. We thank you that you speak to us through your word. And we pray that by your spirit here this morning, you will speak through Debbie and the word that she brings us, which she's heard from you through this week. Bless us, we pray. Encourage us and strengthen us in Jesus' name. Today's reading is taken from Zephaniah, chapter 3, verses 9 to 17, which is on page 946 of the Church Bibles. Restoration of Israel's remnant. Then I will purify the lips of all the peoples, that all of them may call on the name of the Lord, and serve him shoulder to shoulder. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshippers, my scattered people, will bring me offerings. On that day, you, Jerusalem, will not be put to shame for all the wrongs you have done to me, because I will remove from you your arrogant boasters. Never again will you be haughty on my holy hill, but I will leave within you the meek and humble, The remnant of Israel will trust in the name of the Lord. They will do no wrong. They will tell no lies. A deceitful tongue will not be found in their mouths. They will eat and lie down, and no one will make them afraid. Sing, daughter Zion. 
Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. Well, today we're going back a bit in time from where we were last week when we looked at Zechariah. Zephaniah was around before the Babylonian exile at around 640 to 670 BC. So he was prophesying about a hundred years or so before Zechariah. And as I began to look at the book as a whole, I was struck by the similarity of the themes with those that Peter drew out for us last week. So I too could preach on the themes of rebellion, repentance and restoration. And these are definitely going to feature in what I have to say this morning. And I guess it only goes to show that God absolutely doesn't change in his love and his faithfulness to us, and that we as people don't change much either in our propensity to go our own way and ignore the plans and the purposes that God has for us. So this chapter, which uh, Stuart has just read so well for us, contains one of my absolute favourite verses of scripture. It's there for us in verse 17. And in the version we had on the screen, it says this, He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. The God of the universe sings symphonies of delight over me and over you. Isn't that just such a beautiful and intimate portrayal of God's love for you? And the other amazing thing about this truth is that it isn't based on anything we've done or will ever do. It is simply that God loves us. For who we are. He created us, he loves us with an inextinguishable love, and he delights in us. And I felt really excited about preaching a whole talk on that theme. I thought I can get really into this, I can get really carried away. But um, 
And we will come back to that later on, I promise. But then as I started to read into the passage and the book of Zephaniah more fully, I began to realise that actually, I think God is wanting to say something quite challenging to us this morning as well. I think God is wanting us to take a very honest look at our hearts. What we keep hidden beneath the surface that affects our attitudes and our motivations, that affects our relationship with God and with each other, and that affects our ability to flourish and to grow into all that God has for us as a church. Now these are not obvious things, they are subtle, and they're often kept hidden beneath the surface, but they matter to God and they need dealing with. So there is absolutely no doubt that God sings over us and he delights in us for who we are, just as Zephaniah tells us he does. But I think that in his great love for us, in his jealous love for us, as Peter talked about last week, God doesn't want us to stay as we are. He wants us to do some soul searching and look into the hidden places of our hearts to allow his love and grace to flow freely in those places too. And when his love and grace flows more freely in us, the great news is that those things can also flow more freely to the communities around us who are in desperate need of experiencing God's love and his transformation. Now, before I go any further, um, I need to acknowledge that I've been hugely helped in writing this talk by one book in particular, and that is this book. It's Phil Moore's book on the minor prophets. And one fact that I was very interested to discover as I read his chapters on Zephaniah is that his name is Hebrew for hidden by God. And Zephaniah's role as prophet was to expose what lay beneath the surface of Judah's apparent return to God. His prophecies are an unveiling of divine truth to a misguided and lost generation. Is this starting to sound like it might be a tiny little bit relevant to us today? And like his name suggests, if we want to understand Zephaniah's words and their meaning for us today, we have to be prepared to delve a bit deeper, to look beneath the surface and to be really honest before God and with each other. So without more ado, let's dive in and look at some of the context of this passage, what had been going on before it, what led up to this moment? Well, King Hezekiah, who you may have heard of, his godly response to the words of Micah, Joel and Isaiah resulted in the Lord delivering Judah from the Assyrian invasion army in BC 701, so in the century before this book is written. However, Hezekiah was succeeded by a couple of completely godless kings who led their people in pagan worship, sacrificed their own children, embraced black magic, 
executed Isaiah and any who opposed them, and set Judah firmly once again on the path to destruction. And so Judah continued in its fatal turning away from God for over 50 years, that is, until the reign of King Josiah, who at age 16 was converted to the Lord. Josiah then attempted to lead his nation back to God. He did all the right things. He read the law of Moses to his people. He led them in prayer and demanded they rid the land of all pagan idols. Josiah was a man of God. And on the surface, it all looked really good. It looked like Judah had undergone a revival But beneath the surface, it was a very different story. Enter Zephaniah. He came along to reveal what Judah was attempting to keep hidden from their king and from God. He talks about the people being divided in their loyalties between idols and God. And I wonder if we can ever be a little bit like that. I'm not suggesting we have secret idols in our homes that we bow down and worship, but I wonder what things can sometimes get in the way of our relationship with God. Do we sometimes say and do all the right things in our time of worship, but in our hearts harbour thoughts, attitudes, resentments and desires that get in the way of our relationship with God and with each other? Victor Hugo, in his novel The Tailors of the Sea, says this. The true pilot is the sailor who navigates the seabed rather than the surface. If he doesn't, his vehicle will likely be shipwrecked on the rocks that lie beneath. Now few people realised it, but Judah was about to be shipwrecked on the jagged rocks of its secret sin against the Lord. God, who loves his people so much, was warning them again and again and again through the book of Zephaniah. And like a tide going out on the beach, Zephaniah chooses his words carefully. He woos the people of Judah with God's love. The people of Judah are being urged by Zephaniah to exchange God's curse for his blessing and to repent wholeheartedly. And although we are saved from God's punishment by the redeeming blood of Jesus, the message of repentance is the same because do you know, sin hasn't got any less fatal in the intervening years. Those jagged rocks beneath the surface are still there, and they are dangerous. God doesn't want to rub our sin in. He wants to rub it out. So Zephaniah warns us that we need to look at our seabed. We need to look at what lies beneath our spiritual lives and the spiritual life of our church. You see, God is not impressed or won over by vision statements by the hymns or songs we sing, by the liturgy we use, or even the good works we do in the community. It's not that these things don't matter, but what God is most concerned about, 
What he is most passionate about is what is happening beneath the surface. He is interested in our hearts. As Peter said last week, he is a jealous God. He is jealous for our hearts. He is jealous about those things that distract and destroy us from the inside out. Let's look again at what it says in this passage and do have it open before you if you haven't got it open already. It's page 946, I think, in your Bibles. On that day, you, Jerusalem, will not be put to shame for all the wrongs you have done to me, because I will remove from you your arrogant boasters. Never again will you be haughty on my holy hill, but I will leave within you the meek and humble. The remnant of Israel will trust in the name of the Lord. They will do no wrongs, they will tell no lies. A deceitful tongue will not be found in their mouths. They will eat and lie down, and no one will make them afraid. Do you see God is wanting us to be humble? He is interested in the thoughts of our hearts as well as in the words we speak. He doesn't want us to bend the truth to suit our own ends. Now, I absolutely prize truth, but do you know to confess this here now, I actually found myself doing that recently, and boy, did I feel challenged about it. I justified it, I found good reasons for it, I told myself that there was absolutely no choice, but it was wrong. I felt convicted over it, and then, as I came to read this passage that I was going to stand up and preach to you on, God directed my gaze upwards a few verses. We weren't actually going to have this bit read. We were going to just do the last bit. But he directed my gaze upwards. And there it was. They will tell no lies. Ouch. There it is in black and white. There was absolutely no wriggling out of it now. And as Peter said last week, true repentance means turning around and going in the opposite direction and committing not to do it again. So I have done some repenting this week, I can tell you, and God in his grace has released me from it. So God is interested in how we respond when we don't get what we want, when we feel misunderstood, when we feel hurt, when we feel criticised. Are we ever haughty or arrogant? Maybe not out loud, but in our hearts. I think I sometimes am. It's not that we need to agree on everything, pretend things are okay when they're not, or minimise our hurts, but we do need to be mindful of how we approach things, and we need to respond to each other with love, with grace, and with humility. And so I think God is calling us to gather together to look honestly at our hearts and those rocks that exist under the surface of our life as a church. He is calling us to be meek and to be humble, as it says in this passage, to be the remnants who trust in the name of the Lord. Now, as we look around at these empty chairs, there's a few less as we're gathered together as a joint service today, but there are still lots of empty chairs around. Do we feel like a bit of a remnant? Do we feel ripped apart by the events 
mistakes and hurts of the past that still affect the life of our church now? Do we feel battered and bruised by the ravages of COVID, the wearing down of life's problems, and by the many years we have tried to walk as faithful believers? Well, there is good news. We have a God who sings over us. The jealous fire for God's people that burns throughout the book of Zephaniah is still burning just as strongly for us too. It's a mark not of God's hatred for his people, but of his passionate love for them and for us. God's love burns for you and it burns for me. The maker of a stained glass window doesn't hate the glass that he places in the fire. No, he wants to shape it into something more beautiful. And so it is with each of us and with Christ Church. Judah will not repent in time to avert their destruction by the Babylonians. But the Lord will bring forth from that disaster a people who have been humbled enough to repent in truth instead of pretense. And I think he's been humbling us too, and I think he still is. You see, the hard truth was that the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Egyptians and the Assyrians all rejected the Lord because his own people rejected him first. They saw empty words and nothing to attract them to the Lord. They saw their hypocrisy. They didn't want to step into God's lifeboat of salvation because they saw it was sinking. The jagged rocks of Judah's sin beneath the surface had made holes in that lifeboat and some of the water was starting to get in. And I wonder if some of that might be true for us today. I'm not saying that we're not getting lots of things right. I really think we are. I think we're a welcoming community. I think we are genuine in our worship and in wanting to to put God first in our lives and to reach out to the community. But I do also think we still have some more repenting and soul-searching to do, as Peter said last week. We need to look beneath the surface to our seabed. We need to examine our hearts. Why do we need to do this? Not to make ourselves feel bad, but because I believe that just as God relaunched Judah as a lifeboat of salvation that would lead ultimately to the birth of the Messiah, he wants to relaunch us too with our hull fixed, our speech purified, and our hearts made holy. You may be a remnant, but do not let your hands hang limp, God says in this passage. Do not be discouraged. Do not fear. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. God is calling us to sort out our seabed and then to be relaunched as the lifeboat of salvation for our community that the church is meant to be. Throughout the book of Zephaniah, two sounds compete for our attention, justice and mercy. And now in verses 14 to 17, these truths come together. 
The mighty warrior that we hear about at the start of the book is mighty to save. Verse 15 says, The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. Just as two pieces of wood intersected to form the cross that Jesus died on, so did God's justice and mercy intersect in that place where Jesus died. God's justice was completely satisfied by his mercy that was poured out freely in the death of Jesus Christ. That's why the Lord, the mighty warrior, who shouted a battle cry of judgment over his people at the start of Zephaniah, is also the mighty saviour who sings a love song over us. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. As I said at the start, this is one of the most amazing, intimate depictions of God's love for us. I remember um, when our girls were little, I remember singing over them as they lay in their cots and in their beds. They loved it. And if they went to bed and I just tried to pray words over them, um, not sing them as they were going off to sleep, they would say, sing to me, mummy. They were quieted by my love, by my singing over them. And the God of the universe sings over us personally and he sings over us as a church. Not a song of lament, but he rejoices over us with singing. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't wait for us to clean up our acts. He sings over us with love, an everlasting love. And do you know he's been singing that love song over you since before you were even created, before you were even in your mother's womb. He is singing of all the things that he created you to be. Right now, he is singing them into being, and he will not stop before each of them come to pass. He does not look at you with condemnation or with eyes of could do better, as a a human parent sometimes does. No, he sings over you with total love and with delight, and he will not stop singing over you into eternity. This depiction of God's love for you and for me is so wonderful that we can't fully grasp it. But I do hope that this morning, and as we listen um, to the song Peace in just a few moments, I, I hope and pray we can glimpse it. In whatever struggles and distress you are going through personally right now, God is singing a love song over you. As a distressed toddler scooped up and held in the arms of their parents, he longs to quieten you with his love. It's a song of intimate love and it's a song of power. Our God is mighty to save and he can move mountains with his love. So what love song is God wanting to sing over us both personally and as a church? What truth is he wanting to speak to us? What plans is he wanting to reveal to us? Let's not allow anything to drown those out. 
whether it be distractions or those jagged rocks of sin below the surface of our hearts. Josiah tried to change Judah from the outside and failed, but Jesus transforms us from the inside and he always, always succeeds if we allow him in. He does not condemn. Instead, he woos us with his, with his love. Sorry. He does not condemn. Instead, he woos us with his love song into becoming the people and the church that he has called us to be. What a message of hope and what a message of restoration. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. You've certainly given us plenty to think about. Many challenges this morning. And uh, Debbie suggested that we might um, quietly sit and reflect while uh, we have this song um, called Peace, um, which will be on, on the screen. And just reflect over a, a God who wants to quiet us with his love. Crush 
be picked up from the passage about God is mighty warrior who saves and she suggested that we might now carry on and sing mighty to save mighty to save shall we stand
Would you remain standing? And we're going to uh, declare what we believe. And I'm going to do it, we're doing it this, uh, this week with, I'm going to ask three questions and the right answers are on the screen behind me. <laughs> Clearly, if, if this is what you believe, then you declare that in the answer that you give me. Nice and boldly, with confidence. Do you believe and trust in God the Father? I believe in God, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe and trust in his Son, Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe and trust in the Holy Spirit? Three out of three. Well done. Please be seated. Please be seated. Now Malcolm and Hilary are going to come and lead us in our prayers of intercession. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, you love us and rejoice over us with joy. A joy that comes from within and is not based on our circumstances. Lord, when the stresses and strains of daily living threaten, you give us joy instead of judgment so that we can truly rejoice in the Lord always. You made us in your image and we thank you for the many blessings you bestow upon us. Help us to reflect on all the love you give us. Quieten our spirits so we can understand the love and grace you promised us. Thank you for your justice and love work together to give the world hope purifying and restoring us. Lord, our desire is to become more like you, less selfish and more selfless, a willingness to step out in faith, putting the needs of others above our own, to intercede for our brothers and sisters in Christ in prayer. Let us be encouraging and uplifting to those we know who are struggling. We pray for our church leaders here at Christ Church, for Peter, our wardens and PCC, and all who take on leadership roles. 
for wisdom and understanding in the many challenges they face, that your name will be glorified in every way. We pray for the lost, the hurting, the lonely, sick and bereaved. Send your peace and your calming presence to those who are without hope. Protect the defenceless and hold them close to your heart. We pray that as believers we would be bold to tell of the good news of Jesus and your saving grace. We thank you, Lord, that you're more than adequate for our every need. Father, we ask that you would bless those who bring us laughter, music and joyful songs to sing, for friendships and fellowship, for the laughter and squeals of delight coming from young children. Lord, we pray for families, especially at this time when so many will struggle with the increase in the cost of living. Lord, pour out your blessing on the armies of people who freely give their time and skills throughout the country to help care and provide for others, either individually or in organised groups, providing entertainment, food and distributing welfare to so many people in our community. Heavenly Father, you are good, gracious, righteous and true. Thank you that the day will come when you will right all wrongs and bring everything under your righteous and holy authority and the honour of your name will be restored. Wherever you have placed us within the body of Christ, may we be bold and effective witnesses for you in promoting your plans and purposes. And Lord, as Advent approaches, help us to appreciate that the important things in life cannot be commanded. They can only be received as a gift. And what better gift than Jesus, our Saviour? Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Welcome and Helio. Our next song continues this theme of intercession. It picks out the, the various needs in the community around us. It speaks of the homeless, the troubled, the hungry, uh, and, and it leads us then to say, what can we do? Lord, give us wisdom to know how we can respond to these needs in the world around us, longing for light. The chorus says, Christ be our light. Shine in our hearts, shine through the darkness, shine through your church. And so we make this our prayer as we consider the needs of the world around us. Uh, Lord, show us what we can do and how we can help. We stand to sing. Your own. 
Rachel, you and your merry helper is going to come and show us what you've been doing this morning. Here they come. Oh, gosh. And while they're coming, thank you to John, because he, he learned that hymn for us today. And um, ah, we appreciate it, John, because um, it, it blesses us. And um, uh, we do thank you. Right, Rachel, are you going to come behind the podium or are you going to stand with a microphone at the front? There you are. Um, so we've been looking at the verse that God rejoices over us with a singing and we were making these little wall hangers. So she's going to put, she created her own little designs. So we've got stars and Alice did some planets and some flowers and it's just about the fact that God rejoices over us with singing and celebrates us um, and when it's all finished it will look a little bit like this if you can see that it's a little far away but that's what we're doing and we're going to carry on so that we'll actually finish that's okay Now we're moving towards communion, and I I would ask you please to stand as we uh, share the peace together, and uh, as we've been saying for these past few weeks, there are those who feel very vulnerable still, and if you don't want people to come up and shake your hand and hug you, then just stay seated, and we, we will all respect that. And it's just a reminder that what we're doing is sharing the peace. Uh, We we catch up on news after coffee. All right? 
I've seen people having long discussions around while we're sharing peace. Just invite God's blessing on each other. And so Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let's share with one another the peace. going to use Eucharistic prayer. And as we pray this prayer, keep that image in your mind of God singing love songs over us. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, you made the world and love your creation. You gave your Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Saviour. His dying and rising have set us free from sin and death. And so we gladly thank you, with saints and angels praising you and saying together, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We praise and bless you, loving Father, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as we obey his commands, send your Holy Spirit, that broken bread and wine outpoured may be for us the body and blood of your dear Son. On the night before he died, he had supper with his friends. And taking bread, he praised you. He broke the bread, gave it to them and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again he praised you. He gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. So, Father, we remember all that Jesus did. In him we plead with confidence his sacrifice, made once for all upon the cross. Bringing before you the bread of life and the cup of salvation, we proclaim his death and resurrection until he comes in glory. Christ is died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Lord of all life, help us to work together for that day when your kingdom comes and justice and mercy will be seen in all the earth. Look with favour on your people. Gather us in your loving arms and bring us with all the saints to feast at your table in heaven. Through Christ and with Christ and in Christ. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory are yours, O loving Father, for ever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour has taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one because we all share in one life. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. And so we share communion in our customary way, uh, the bread from the centre table and uh, the wine from either table here, and the non-alcoholic drink will be the table on that side of the chair.
God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Come see the beauty of the Lord. Come see the beauty of his face. See the lamb that once was slain. See on his palms is carved your
body of Christ keep you in eternal life. Blood of Christ, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Amen. And so we'll pray this prayer together following communion. Almighty God, we thank you for with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. And let's pray for those who, who can't be with us here in church. Father, we lift those who can't be with us physically here this morning. We ask that you would be with them by your Spirit that you would touch them, that you would bring them your healing, bring them your comfort, and may they know you singing over them songs of love, songs of delight, in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we come to our final song this morning. Let's try and choose a song that will send us out into the big world out there for the coming week in good heart. And this, this lovely song reminds us that whatever the week brings, there's the throne of God above. And whatever happens to us, uh, our name is written on his hands. Our name is written in his heart. And that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. We're safe in his love and care. Isn't that a nice thought to take into the coming week? to encourage us for whatever the week holds. So let's stand and sing together before the throne of God above. Great. 
we thank all those who've taken part in the service this morning and uh, for John and uh, his singers tickling the ivories and exercising the vocal cords for Ian and John uh, sound and vision we couldn't do without them stewards and all the others we thank you for enabling our service today and it just remains oh remind you there's John and Maggie as well and they've out made gallons of coffee so please stay and drink the coffee and uh, what I said everybody who took part in the service <laughs> I think that was sorry Debbie um, yeah thank you Debbie for your word this morning so do stay for coffee and uh, enjoy some fellowship together but now let's invite God's blessing on each other for the coming week as we share the words of the grace together. The grace of our Lord, our Lord Jesus, Christ, Jesus Christ and the love, and the love of God and, and the, the fellowship of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit, Spirit be with, with us all, all evermore. evermore. Amen. Amen.